Uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 4 this evening, and we're going to read verses 1 through to 13. Um, and it's the temptation of Jesus. And what's happened is Jesus has been baptized, and, the, uh, and God has dis- like opened the clouds, and he said, this is my son, um, and the Holy Spirit has descended upon him. And then we pick up the story now in Luke chapter 4, verse 1 to 13, I think it is. Um, and so, Luke, we would be privileged as your final act of service to this church community if you would read aloud um, the Lord's word. Thank you. Cool. Um, yeah, Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 13. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the, uh, by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he said he was hungry. Uh, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to them, I'll give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command you. Uh, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike a foot against the stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished uh, all the tempting, he left him until an opportune time. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Ooh, I'm in ordination training, can you tell? I do apologize. Slips out every now and again. Thank you, Luke. Um, for those of you who don't know what ordination training is, I'm training to be a vicar. Um, I'll talk to you about it later. Um, so um, we're in Lent, and as a church family, we are spending the next few weeks of Lent um, in this story, in this moment in Jesus' life, at the beginning of his ministry. In fact, he's not even done anything yet. Um, this is right before he begins doing anything. Um, he's driven into the desert. Um, by the Holy Spirit. He's led there, and there he's tempted. And um, Tim grew, if you were here last week, did an amazing job at kind of giving us an overview um, of this kind of theme around positive testing. I'd really recommend if you weren't here, or if anything like me, you've got an attention like a goldfish, um, go back and listen to it, because it's, it's a really good um, umbrella within which these talks for the next couple of weeks are like the spokes, if that makes sense. So it really helps to connect um, with whatever I say or whatever anybody else says over the next couple of weeks. And tonight in this story, we're going to look at the, um, the first test. So we're going to focus on um, the first four verses particularly. And um, I don't know about you, but when I did my GCSEs, I didn't do very well. Um, when I was 15 years old, 16 years old, I think that's how, is that how old you are when you do the GCSEs? I'm looking at six formers around the room who are, you've just finished them, well done. Um, the uh, history exam for me was the one I was least looking forward to. Because if I was honest, when I did my options in year 10, I didn't actually really like history. I didn't do history because I thought it was an interesting subject. It was just all my mates were doing it. And, uh, and it was either geography, where, my, where none of my mates were, uh, or history, where all of my mates were. So I chose history. 
what that meant was during the GCSE years, I didn't really focus, I didn't really listen. The, the teacher, if, if you ever find this, uh, Mr. Durnell, I do apologise for being an absolute shoddy student during your teaching. Um, and it came to the point where about six weeks before the exam, it felt that close, it might have been a bit further away, but it felt that close. My teacher, in all his wisdom, said to me, Tim, you're, you're not going to pass if you do the higher paper, which is what everyone was doing. Um, I recommend that you do the, low, the lower paper. So there was two papers. Now, follow me, okay, on this. When I entered into the exam room, the way in which the exam was situated was that the, answer, the, the paper that I had to write the answers in was already printed. And so I saw all the questions to the higher paper and all the questions to the lower paper, but I had to, because my name was printed on the, on the answer sheet, I could only answer the lower paper questions. Guess what I'd accidentally revised? I crammed hard for all of the higher paper questions. And I was sat there, like, in a straitjacket of my own doing, and I was like, I'm going to fail this test. I'm not going to succeed. I'm going to get a U, and I'm going to really hope that I pass a couple more tests in order to get into college. And, um, and so I just sat there. The, the best I could do was to write some random dates that I thought were, like, fairly relevant about World War I, and write my name, and hope to the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved me dearly, that I'd pass. Um, and I didn't. I failed. I failed the test. And the reason why I failed the test was because I was ill-equipped. Uh, I didn't do the work that was needed. I didn't do the things that I was told to do. I thought I could do it all myself. I took it in on my own ability. I thought, I, could, I got this GCSE bite size. Thank you very much. Um, I've got this. I'll nail this. I chose not to listen, I chose to do things my own way, and ultimately I got myself in a real mess, and I failed the test. I wonder, those of us who are in the room tonight, you know, what tests we're going, it might not be a GCSE exam, but there might be tests that are going on in this room, in your life. Um, it could genuinely be in the next couple of weeks you've got exams, you've got end of years or you've got mocks or you've got A-levels that are kind of going to decide if you get into Oxford or Cambridge or that Russell Group University that your parents would desperately want you to get into. It might be um, that actually it's not exams but it's a test of trust. Maybe you just feel like you need to leave your job. Maybe um, it's a test of trust because actually you've been hurt in the past because of relationships, and you need to trust someone for the first time in a long time, and that's hard. Um, maybe it's not a test of trust. Maybe it's a financial test. We're in a cost-of-living crisis still. Um, that, that's still looming over us, and the bills don't add up. You know, the, the, we're on a standard tariff now, and I wasn't expecting that. And maybe there's a financial test that you're going through. Maybe, maybe the income doesn't match the outgoing. Maybe you're really looking forward to race week, actually, because it means that there's horse racing every day and that addiction to betting that you wish no one would look at gives you an opportunity to chase the losses. Maybe it's not a financial test. Maybe it's a relational test. Maybe, um, you know, you've got a girlfriend. You've got a boyfriend. Um, they're attractive. It's physical stuff that you know you've been doing that you shouldn't be doing. 
It's a test. You know, you keep the, cl- the door closed when you think it should really be open. Um, maybe it's not actually a relationship with the person, but it's a relationship with your di- digital device. Maybe it's late at night. You're there alone and you think, actually, do you know what? I'll just go on you porn, Pornhub or whatever it's called because actually I can delete my history and it'll be fine and I'll just masturbate because that's okay and no one's looking. So maybe it's not a relationship with the person, but maybe it's a relationship with intimacy that's slightly a test right now and you feel like you need to pass a test, but you feel like you're failing in whatever way it is. And so the question then, for whatever the test is, whatever it is that we're going through, whatever it is, whether it's a GCXE exam or the financial test or a relational test or a future test or a test that's now, the question that we have maybe is how do we pass the test? How do we get through? How do we get a good grade? How do we pass the test? And so to help us, um, we're going to look at a past paper. That's what we're going to do. We're going to look at Luke chapter 4, verses 1 to 4, and we're going to just look at it and consider it as a past paper. And we're going to see how someone else passed the test, actually, and to see if there's anything we can learn to help us in our test, whatever it is. So the first thing I want to say is that um, in these verses, and let me just read them again, and we're going to take them, there's just three things that I want to pull out. So verse 1 to 4, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. So there's this test that goes on. The devil tests Jesus and says, if you are the son of God, turn these big rocks into bread rolls. If you are the son of God, turn these stones, tell them to become bread. So it's a a question, it's a task, it's a test that the devil asks Jesus to do. And what I want to do is just take three things out of the thing that the devil says to Jesus. And the first thing that I think the devil says by saying this, by challenging Jesus in this way, is Jesus, will you be one who is self-served? Will you be one who is self-served? Now, self-service, right, it's not always bad, okay? It's not always bad. Because self-service can, can, be, it can be called self-care, all right? It, you know, spa days, I love a spa day, you know? Just, you know, just watch a bit of Netflix. Look after yourself. Like, at the end of a stressful day, there's nothing more that I like than to play a bit of FIFA, all right? Bit of a, bit of a career mode, or ultimate team. Parker Palmer um, once said that self-care is never a selfish act. And the reality is, if we don't practice self-care, if we don't practice this sense of self-service, it can lead to self-neglect, which can lead to burnout. And burnout's never good. But there is a bad side, there's a shadow side to self-service. Have you ever been to Tesco and gone to the self-service checkouts? They are annoying. Like the amount of times that I've not put something in my basket but it tells me that I have and I have to call the checkout lady over again and I've been waiting there for ages, then it's not good. Self-service isn't good. 
But also self-service, and that's a silly thing to say, but self-service can lead us to being consumed by our own need. We're consumed by what we need in the moment. Notice Jesus was hungry. And the devil tempts him to say, turn these rocks into bread. He needs it. He's hungry. And sometimes the danger of self-service is that our relationship with God can begin to become this sense of, well, God exists just to make me happy. That the goal of life is just to live a good life and be a happy life. And actually God's role in that is to make me feel good. Because that's what I need. Um, at home, um, we have a fridge. You'll be, you'll be glad to know. And um, when Liz does the food shop, she always buys my favourite yoghurts. Okay? And my favourite yoghurts are crunchy corners. Ooh, I love a good crunchy corner. But not only just the crunchy corners, it's that particular packet, right? Now, what annoys me about Muller is that they don't do a six-pack of the banana chocolate flakes. Right? Yeah, right? Because that's my favourite one in that packet, right? Now, I grew up in a home. I had four older sisters. and when We didn't have a lot of money when we were growing up. And when my mum and dad did a food shop, all the good chocolate was in the fridge for about two days. And it was like first come, first serve, right? So that kind of muscle memory is still in me. So Liz buys these. And the problem I've got is that I'm not the only one in the house that likes the banana chocolate flakes. Melissa also likes the banana chocolate flakes. But if I'm really honest, I can be consumed by my own need. And I will eat them all before Melissa. And she complained to me the other day and she said, I always get the vanilla pods always left to, my, like, to me. I always, the vanilla chocolate balls are the ones that I always like, end up with. I'm not happy about it. And I say that it's, uh, um, I, just to say I can become consumed by my own need. And so the question here is, am I going to be self-serving? Am I, in the, in the test that I'm currently facing, am I going to live to serve myself? Because here, Jesus, he could have been like, do you know what? I'm hungry. I've eaten nothing for 40 days. The pain in my stomach deserves to be met with some bread. And that's a pretty good idea, actually, Satan, to turn these rocks into bread. Because why wait for anybody else to cook up some bread? I'll cook it myself. And I'll probably do a better job anyway because my name is Jesus. But instead, Jesus says, it is written. It is written. And what he's doing there is he's quoting Old Testament scripture. He's quoting Deuteronomy 8 verses 3. And in that moment, he recognizes, no, actually, hang on a minute. This moment in my, in my life, this test, it's, it's not just about me. It's connected to a larger story. It's not just me in this world. There's something else going on. There's something greater than myself that I'm here to attend to. It is written. He ties himself to the story of Israel, to, to that whole thing. So the key point here is that the test that Jesus faces is to be consumed by himself, to be consumed by his own need. But his answer is that he's actually connected to something larger than himself and greater than his present moment. It's not about him. He's here to serve and save the lost. His name literally means Yahweh saves, God saves. He's not here for himself. He's here for others. So, will we 
be people who are self-serving. The second thing that Jesus says as a response to the devil's testing, to Satan's testing, is man shall not live on bread alone, right? So Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not. Now, in that, the the devil's temptation, the first thing is, will you be self-serving? The second thing I want to suggest that the enemy is trying to do here is he's trying to ask this question, Jesus, will you be the one who is self-important? So will you be the one who is self-servant? Will you be the one who is self-important? Now, again, this sense of self-importancy, or, or is that even a word? Self being self-important, or self-entitled as one might call it, right? It's not always a bad thing. Sometimes it can be good, okay? Because rights are good. We're entitled to the right of education. We're entitled to equal pay. We're entitled to certain things, and that's good, And actually, entitlement can lead to creativity, people pushing boundaries. The um, Journal of Experimental Social Psychology, which is a mouthful in itself, says this. I haven't got the quote on the screen, so just listen. It says, when people feel more entitled, they will think and act differently than others. And the more they do so, the more willing and capable they are to generate creative solutions. If it wasn't for entitlement, you wouldn't have Netflix. Just think about it. Does anyone remember Blockbuster? Right? You had to literally go out on a Friday night in the middle of the pouring...